Chapter 12 Nandini Ah yes we left Vandyatevan on the banks of the Kollidam safely inside a boat didn't we Now we are on a bound to tell our readers how he made an explosive entry into the Kudanda astrologer's home of all places The Saivite who had objected in no uncertain terms to Alvarkadian's getting into the boat preserved his silence until they were well across the river and then turned to our young man Tambi It was on your account that I even let this one get into the boat. Order him to never utter that eight-letter word in my presence, or I shall task these boatmen to push him into these waters. They are my men, you see. Well, honoured Nambi, queried Vandiyathevan, did your sacred ears get the message? I am content never to mention the blessed eight-letter name as long as that one never utters that five-letter blasphemy, retorted Alvar Kadian. Who is this idiot who dares me to never chant the divine five letter word the panchakshara mantram of Shiva Peruman himself thundered the saivite in righteous anger proceeding to recite in majestic tones Katrunai putti kadalil paichinum natrunai avadu namachivayave Bind me to a stone pillar and throw me into the oceans and I shall still chant namachivaya in praise of Shiva Peruman who is always by my side Alvar Kadian never to be outdone sang in turn Nadinen nadi naan kandukonden narayana ennum naamam I searched within myself and I found the blessed name of Narayana the supreme being Shiva Shiva growled the saivite and stuck his fingers in his ears he took them out only when the vaisnavite was done Do listen to this fanatic going on and on about his precious god Tambi began Alvar Kadian He complains so much about Tirumal's name even falling on his ears but doesn't this very kollidam come down to us only after washing the divine feet of the lord who resides in Srirangam and Shiva Peruman of course realizes how blessed these waters are which is why he practically submerges himself in them to perform penance in Tiruvannikaval temple grateful for the high honor the saivite pounced on Nambi with a roar barely allowing him a word more the two began a wild tussle in one end of the boat when it looked like it might capsize vandyatevan and the boatmen intervened pulling them apart it seems my devout men that you wish to dive head first into this raging kollidam and ascend moksham straight away admonished vandyatevan severely i however still have a great many things to accomplish in the world and wish to stay if you please i'm not sure about moksham avowed one of the boatmen but they are sure to reach the stomachs of crocodiles look over there they followed his finger and saw one gaping wide its terrifyingly sharp teeth clearly visible ha huh, i am not afraid of them in the least declared alvar kadian don't i have the divinely powerful narayana murti who rescued the elephant gajendra from the clutches of a crocodile to sweep me away from danger only if he finds the time to actually tear himself from the sarees of brindavan's gopika women snapped the saivite tone dripping with sarcasm or perhaps shiva peruman is caught in difficulties like the time he granted all those silly boons to the demon basmasuran and came whining for assistance and perhaps tirumal has hastened to his help mused alvar kadian this vaishnavite does not seem to remember how tirumal's arrogance was destroyed during shiva peruman's annihilation of the three worlds retorted the saivite i really don't understand why you must quarrel endlessly this way complained vandyatevan Why don't you choose your favorites and worship them in peace? 
as to why exactly the saivite and alvarkadian were at each other's throats or the religious argument that ended almost in a full-fledged fight at veeranarayanapuram perhaps it would be better to reveal to our readers the reason for such fervor among the local populace in those days for more than 600 years jainism and buddhism had reigned supreme as the religions of favor in the tamil lands many were the benefits reaped as a result of their prevalence sculpture art poetry dance and prose flourished later it was the time of alvars and nayanmars belonging to vaishnavite and saivite traditions respectively to begin the bhakti movement in earnest with their divinely beautiful songs in simple chaste tamil their campaigns to popularize their faiths with the masses proved to be extraordinarily powerful sculpture and music were put to great use in their work many chose to sing the alvars beautiful pasarams and the work of three celebrated saints of saivism compiled as tevaram verses set to charming music almost celestial in their beauty such songs melted the hearts of listeners with their exquisite loveliness raising religious ardor to almost a fever pitch those temples that had songs of alvars and the three saivite saints dedicated to them attained a new degree of respect conferred as they had been with a signal honor Many were the houses of worship that had been built with wood and bricks thus far. Now they were rebuilt in stone, never to be destroyed. It was Vijayalaya Chodar who took up this monumental work. His heirs and others of the royal family would later expand upon it. Meanwhile, neighboring Kerala was not exempt from momentous events either. A tiny village called Kaladi witnessed the birth of a saint. At a very tender age, he renounced the world and became an ascetic. The pursuit of knowledge drove him to learn the languages of the north. Soon he was an expert in the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads and Brahma Sutra, which works formed the basis of his much acclaimed treatises, especially when he later hoisted the flag of Advaita philosophy victoriously upon the peak of theological debates besting his peers. His proficiency in the northern languages aided him in travels across the length and breadth of Bharatavarsha. He established eight seats or monasteries that propounded Advaita philosophy in earnest. Monks and ascetics, captivated by his theories and treatises, traversed the lands, expounding them to eager audiences. Approximately 980 years ago, around the time this story was set, in Tamilagam, religious fervor had people's imaginations in a feverish grip. As much as this was advantageous in some ways, it cannot be denied. that a good many adverse elements also found a way to twine their poisonous tendrils around the population fierce vaishnavites and saivites rose everywhere with thorny arguments advaita philosophers pitched in to add their might religious debates often turned into ugly fist fights there is in fact a rather quaint story that illustrates the saiva vaishnava skirmishes of those days beautifully Once a staunch Vaishnavite walked along the towering temple walls of the Shiva abode in Tiruvannikaval. Suddenly a stone dropped on his head. It was a sharp one and the resulting gash began bleeding at once. The Vaishnavite craned up his neck to see a crow perched on the temple tower. He guessed at once that the bird's awkward perch must have dislodged one of the stones in the aged crumbling vimanam. Instantly every sign of distress left him. he even forgot the blood flowing freely from his head devout crow you must be a staunch vaishnavite from shrirangam he crowed destroy this tiruvannikaval temple tower at once this was how things stood at that point in tamilagam learning these circumstances will aid our readers immensely in understanding this story
the boat reached the opposite banks. Go to hell! The Saivite hurled a last liberal curse at Alvar Kadiyan's head and went his way. The Kadambur soldier who had accompanied Vandiyatevan departed as well. He would procure a horse in nearby Tirupanandal. Left to fend for themselves, Vandiyatevan and Alvar Kadiyan sat down on the banks under a sprawling arasitri. Hundreds of birds perched in its numerous branches, chirping and twittering in enthusiastic tones. Both felt that the other possessed a great deal of information. Both tried to get the other to blurt out what he knew. The result was that each spent a good deal of time talking in endless circles, circumventing one topic after another, yet moving inexorably towards the other's secrets. Well, Tambi, Alvar Kadian made the opening gambit, you did go to the Kadumbur Palace, didn't you? And you never thought to take me along? It was all I could do to get in myself, Nambi. Indeed. How did you enter then? Or perhaps you never did? Oh, I did, all right. When have I ever backed out of something I set my heart on? The sentries at the gates did their best to throw me out, but I spurred my horse and practically dashed in. They tried to bar my way, but every single one of them crumpled to the ground in a heap. And my friend Kandamaran arrived to escort me before they could gather their simple wits and close in. I thought that it might have happened that way. You're courageous, Tambi. And then, who were the guests? Did you see? So many that I lost count. And such great men too. I couldn't recognize all of them. There was Parve Tarir though, and his wife. Ah, the beauty of that young woman. Where am I to find the words to describe her? You saw her then? Did I not? My friend Kandamaran practically dragged me to his palace's Andapuram. That's where I caught sight of her. And let me tell you, she fairly dazzled down every other woman in that palace. Her face shone like a radiant full moon amongst those dark-skinned ladies. All the celestial beauties, Rambhai, Urvasi, Tilottamai, even Indra's queen, Indrani, Chandrani, ha, huh, they're all nothing to her. Well, this is describing her indeed. And what happened next? Did they perform the Kuravai Kutte? Indeed, and very well too. I thought of you then. How unfortunate that I couldn't attend. What else? Well, the Valen dance for one. The Devaralan and Devarati came on stage and put up an aggressive performance. What about the Sannadam? Were they possessed? Any predictions? Ah, certainly. There will be rains, the land will flourish, all our deepest desires will be fulfilled. Is that all? I believe there was something about royal matters, but I wasn't really listening. Ah, but you should have, Tambi. How unfortunate that you didn't. See, you're a youngster, a valiant and intelligent one at that. You must keep your eyes and ears open when it comes to royal affairs. Indeed, you speak the truth. I thought so myself this morning. Eh? Why only this morning? Because Kandamaran and I were chatting as we travelled towards the Kollidam, and he happened to mention something about their famous visitors. Apparently, they gathered after I had gone to bed last night and discussed some very secret royal matters. What royal matters? Kandamaran was very vague about it, so I have really no idea. All he would say was that something momentous was going to happen soon and he'd tell me all about it. Very mysterious he was. 
Nambi, would you happen to know anything about it? What about? There's been talk everywhere about strange things happening, hasn't there? About the comet in the sky and how that portents terrible misfortune to the Chora throne. People are discussing all this as far as Tondai Mandalam. Apparently, several great men have been gathering and considering who might be next in line to the throne. What about you, Nambi? Who do you think will be the next emperor? I'm afraid I'm not knowledgeable about such things, Thambi. <clears throat> what have I to do with royalty? I'm a Vaishnavite, the servant of devout Alvas who sing the praises of Tirumal. All I do is follow in their footsteps and go on pilgrimages. As if on cue, he began to sing Tirukkandain Ponmeni Kandain, upon which Vandya Teban cut in without compunction. Do me a favor, Nambi, and kindly shut up. This is a divine Tamil Pasaram. Why would you tell me to shut up? Devout Alvar Kadiyan Nambi, I find myself entertaining a suspicion. May I reveal it? By all means. You wouldn't take a swing at me with your stick, would you? Dare I even think of such a thing? All this devotion, your piety, arguments about Tirmal, being a staunch Vaishnavite, these Pasarams and the sacred symbols on your body... I say that every single one of these is just a clever disguise. Ayyo, how could you? Good God! Sacrilege! Blasphemy! Blasphemy indeed. Ah, come now, Nambi. All this is just a ruse to cover up your lust, isn't it? I've come across men like you. Insanely enamored of women. I wonder what you see in them. I confess your obsession is beyond me. For myself, I hate their very sight. It's true that certain men have nothing on their minds but women. But kindly don't lump me with them, Thambi. I am no lecherous idiot masquerading as a devotee. Your assumption is unjust. In that case, why ask me to deliver a message to the lady in the palanquin? Harboring romantic feelings for a married woman too. That's why you wanted to come to the Kadambur palace, didn't you? It wouldn't do to deny it. I won't. What I do deny is your rationale for why I wanted to come to the palace. I had so many reasons, but that's a very long story indeed. Well, considering the horse isn't here yet, you may as well begin. If you think it's just an amusing fable, don't. Every part of this is true. Are you sure you want to listen to it? Only if you wish to tell me. I believe I will. Even if I'm in rather a hurry at the moment. After all, I may need something else of you some other time, and then you'll help me, won't you? If it's an honourable request, yes. However, you needn't share anything if you don't want to. But I must. The young woman caught in the terrible clutches of that ogre Hiranyasuran, I mean Paduvetarir, is named Nandini. Her tale will astonish you, I promise. You will practically explode with anger at the injustice of it. With this preamble, Alvar Kadyan began Nandini's story. A village on the banks of the river Vaigai in Pandyanadu was Alvar Kadyan's birthplace. His family was steeped in poverty. But for all that, every one of them was a staunch Vaishnavite. Once his father went to the flower gardens on the river banks and stumbled upon an infant girl lying all alone. No one claimed her. He brought her home. She was a charming, lovely child, and the family instantly fell in love with her. They had found her in a beautiful Nandavanam. 
The name Nandini thus suited her, and she swiftly became a much loved member of their home. Alvar Kadian, for his part, considered her his own sister and cherished her. As Nandini grew, so did her devotion towards Thirumal. Neighbors predicted that she would one day become another Andal, following in the footsteps of that devout lady. She would give herself up to God and a life of divine service. Alvar Kadian believed in this more than anyone else. Such was his affection towards the young girl that he took the responsibility of raising her upon his father's death. Brother and sister went on pilgrimages, visiting temple after temple on a mission to spread Vaishnavism. The sight of a young Nandini wearing a simple Tulasi garland, singing pasarams in her exquisite voice, was enough to melt the hardest heart. Once, Alvar Kadian left on a journey to Tiruvengadam. It was a while before he returned, and this was when disaster struck Nandini's life. The unceasing war between Pandyas and Choras had escalated to one final bloody battle in the vicinity of Madurai, and the former suffered a crushing defeat. Veera Pandyan lay on the battlefield grievously wounded. Some of his closest aides unearthed him among the massacred bodies and tried to save his life. In the thick of the night, they brought him to Nandini's home. The young woman saw the badly wounded king and felt her heart stir with pity. She tried her very best to succor him, but Chora soldiers had already caught the scent of the hidden Pandya king and surrounded her home. They stormed the dwelling, killed Veera Pandyan, and Nandini, whose luminous beauty had bewitched Parvetariya, was promptly imprisoned. Three years had flown since these events. Try as he might, Alvar Kadian had never been able to see Nandini again. Ever since then, he had used every means in his possession to meet her at least once, to speak with her, and if she was unhappy, to rescue her somehow from her present circumstances. Until this moment, though, all his efforts had been in vain. Vandya Tevan's heart melted at this moving recital. For one brief moment, he even considered revealing to Alvar Kadian that the palanquin's occupant had actually been Prince Madhurandagan and not Nandini. But some instinct seemed to prevent him. What if, he wondered, this entire tale had been one of Alvar Kadian's carefully constructed fantasies? The thought made him refrain from saying anything about the events of Kadambur and his own midnight adventures. In the distance, they saw the soldier from Kadambur approach, horse in tow. Will you help me, Tambi? entreated Alvar Kadian. But what can I do? Parve Terrier is among the most powerful men in the empire, capable of making anyone dance to his tune, while I am just one man without any connections. How am I supposed to help? Vandya Teman's words were cautious. Nambi, he began after a pause. Do you really mean to say you know nothing about royal affairs? Can't you truly make a guess about who might ascend the throne if something would happen to Maharaja Sundarachodar? And he gazed intently at the Vaishnavite, seeking some sort of reaction. Alvar Kadian's face, however, remained as placid as ever. Again, what do I know of such matters, Thambi? Now, if you were to ask the astrologer of Kudandai, Ah, and he is truly that skilled? Indeed, he happens to be an expert in not just astrology, but divining your innermost thoughts. He can even deliver predictions according to the state of current affairs. I certainly must pay this paragon a visit, resolved Vandya Tevan to himself. 
Humankind has been obsessed for millennia, after all, in learning about the future. Prince or pauper, intellectual or idiot, no one is exempt from a deep curiosity in glimpsing what time holds for them. It's hardly surprising that our young warrior, entrusted with the weight of royal duty and forced to chart a perilous course for himself, should wish to know as well, isn't it? Hidden Meanings and Explanation Moksham Salvation Approximately 980 years ago The story was written in 1950 Tripura Samharam The Destruction of the Three Worlds Like many Hindu mythological stories, this one too has its roots in a legend. The demon Taraka had three demon children Tarakaksha, Kamalaksha, Vidyunmali who were the lords of three moving cities of forts and wreaked destruction buoyed by their boons from Lord Brahma. Sivapiraman destroyed them in summary fashion with his destructive powers. Brindavan Gopika Women One of Lord Krishna's favourite pastimes was to play with the women of the neighbourhood or even to steal away the clothes as they bathed. When people wished to deride Lord Vishnu, they allude to this often as only the weak will supposedly appreciated the company of women. 